Good morning. We don't spend too much time uh, greeting one another today um, because we, there's a big passage we have to look at. Uh, this morning we're going to be in Luke 24, and we're going to talk about the walk to Emmaus. And you might be like, hey, wait a minute, I'm at Emmaus right now. Um, yeah, that, this, that is the name of our church, uh, and we get it from Luke 24. Uh, we chose this to be the name of the church for two reasons. Number one, we love Scripture. We love Scripture. We thought that was awesome. And as we looked at it, we're like, man, this is so much our story. The other one that's not so spiritual is that it started with an E, and we wanted our name to have an E because the church that started us had an E. So we did one of those things. It's like, ah, I walked to Emmaus. But what's been awesome about this, and, and as we look at this passage, we hope that you find in this passage, you see that the Lord is good, that he leaves the, the 99 to go after the one, which was you and me, that he loves us immensely. He's not void of our pain or our questions or our doubt. He's right there. He is the good shepherd. And, and we look at um, Luke 24, it's a testimony that, that we have seen in this church where God continues to bring us people that are, that are questioning, God, where are you? Are you good? Do you care? And that many find the answer, yes, he is good. He cares and he is sovereign and his name is Jesus. So in Luke 24, in uh, verses 1 through 12, which we will not uh, read this morning, we're going to be in verses 13 through 39. And that first part of 1 through 12, um, the women go to find the tomb of Jesus empty. They go to honor him. Uh, they go uh, to minister to what they believe is his dead body because they saw him die on a cross and he is buried and they want to you know, pay their last rites. And they go to do this and there is an, uh, a vision from an angel of the Lord that says he is risen, he is not here, he is alive, just as he said he would be. They run back and they tell the apostles, uh, the men, and they say, hey, Jesus isn't there, we saw vision, they run back, Peter and John actually have a race, uh, and they run back to the tomb, and they find that it's empty, but then they don't know what else to do. Some go fishing, and we'll see here in Luke 24, starting in verse 13, that some go on a walk. And so read with me in Luke 24, verse 13 through 24. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they had talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, why are you discussing, or what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Verse 21, But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And so we're going we're gonna, to... 
uh, break this up and look at this first part. And I've got my, my notes labeled real faith and what real faith looks like. And we're going to look at this from that lens and see if you are on, if you've discovered Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are saved and you are set free and you're forgiven and you understand what that means, right? You are on a journey of faith once you have met Jesus. And in that journey, you are going to walk through pain and you are going to walk through doubt. The Bible is clear about that. In fact, Paul later on will say, you act surprised that you're going through some troubles. How many of us would say that, that, that same, like, it, just, it surprises you the first time it happens, happens after salvation, right? It shocks you, it shakes you, and you will continue to go through aspects of that, your entire journey of faith. These guys, they walk their faith out, and they go, they go on a walk. It's probably what I would do, man. When I'm frustrated it, I'm, you know, about anything, or if I'm questioning anything, I'm just going to go for a walk. One of the things that I love about this that's important, and that's why it's a faith journey, they're not alone. I love my alone time. All right? Those of you that know me, I'm an extreme introvert. I like to be alone. And the Lord speaks to me there. But my greatest walk in my faith has been hand in hand with a brother or sister in Christ. If you were walking through pain, if you were walking through doubt, whether it be theological or even just feeling God's presence, right? That's going to happen in the ebb and flow of our faith journey. Do not do it alone. And in your walk, just like these disciples of Jesus Christ, you are going to wrestle. Why will you wrestle? Because you are not God. The apostles were not God. When you walk out your faith, you're going to be tempted to walk in two ways. One, you will try to walk in your own understanding, your own way, right? We all serve the God that most identifies with you, right? If you, man, if your bent is, man, loving, you're just, people just, you're loving, all the attributes of God that is love, man, you will embrace. But then the sovereignty and justice of God, the judgment of God, you might, oh, I don't know so much about. If you tend to have that personality, punch first, ask questions later, right? You're like, God is the God of justice, right? There's, there's a wrestling that happens in this. Proverbs 21.2 says it this way, all a man's way seems right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. It means, man, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm wrong, I think I'm so right <laughs> until I realize I'm wrong. You will also struggle in walking like a dead man, anemic in your faith and your thoughts to the Lord. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And I don't know about you, but especially in this last year, with just so much going on, it is really easy to just go in pilot mode, right? We're in pilot mode. We're looking at just scrolling at Facebook. I finally had to turn my Facebook off because I'm like, man, I'm just looking at stuff to look at stuff. And before I know, like 40 minutes has gone by, right? Or I'm just shopping for camping gear that I do not need because I've got tons of camping gear, right? Whatever it would be, I'm just looking for stuff I don't need, 
right? Because we want to turn down the volume. We want to put on the mute. But I will tell you, friends, that is not where great faith is found. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Why will we struggle to either walk in our own ways or just not even alive? Because Isaiah 5, 55 reminds us, his ways are higher than our ways. They are. They won't, I don't care how close you are to God, how much you're walking in the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. His ways will always seem a bit and sometimes way foreign to you because you're not him. We can't even begin to fathom his love, his all-knowing power. Right? We just, we just can't even get it. But know this, his ways are higher than ours, but his word never comes back void. These guys are on a walk. It's about seven-mile walk. They're probably, you know, three or four hours into this walk, going out of pace, talking. Maybe it'll slower than that because they're talking. I don't know. And they're questioning. Have you ever heard this statement? Don't question God. Maybe you've heard it in church. Maybe your parents said, don't question God, don't question God. Maybe your Sunday school teacher or your pastor, don't question God. And sometimes they're meaning that in a good, in a good way. Right? But sometimes it can be a bad way. And we say, well, I'm just not going to question God right now, so we don't go deeper with God. Or I'm not going to question God, so I'm just going to turn off the, 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 the love in my heart. I'm just going to ignore the pain rather than give my pain to the Lord. Right, We see Jesus coming in right as they are in the depth of their questioning. And it seems as if we're supposed to see that. Right, These are the ones that just, some are going fishing, some are resting. These guys are going for a walk. And Jesus is like, I want you all, my followers, to see this. What faith being walked out looks like. These guys are being real and they're frustrated and they don't know what's going on. How we question is important as we do. If you don't have any questions about God, we'll say this time and time again. Are you sure you're following God? If you don't have any, like, God, where are you? Like, you're supposed to be my father. Like, I feel like I'm out on this island by myself. Can I get an amen? Like, there are, and the Bible is, again, clear about that. You're going to feel that way. You're going to feel lonely sometimes. But you're not alone. How beautiful is that Jesus comes right up in their deepest questioning, right? In some cultures, this would be shame. Oh, what followers are they to question who God is and his motives and his intentions and his crazy plan? And he comes right up. What do you guys say? Like, he wants to engage in this. So we encourage you, question. It's part of faith. Bring your junk to the table. It's a part of faith. But do it with a sincere heart. So what that is, like even like as leaders of the church, we like knowing the difference, like if we're going to, if someone like, hey, I've got some questions about God, or I want to debate about God, knowing when they're doing it just to be a jerk, <laughs> or that, no, this is a real question. This is sincere. This is faith doubt rather than doubt of mocking, right? Know the difference. You'll have to deal with both, but how you deal with them is different. And you look at the heart of what's going on with them. They say, but we had hoped. 
I love that. But like, like when, I, when I talk about my hope, my children, my marriage, right? The, uh, the, uh, li- living a healthy life, a long life, one of joy, right? There's hope in those things. And when those things are taken or my plans are changed, your plans are changed, right? Th- that's a big deal. And know this, that Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. It's a part of our faith journey. But understand this, broken hearts don't just mend on their own. So if you just walk in this anemic faith that, ah, that's not going to question. I'm like, oh, I just don't want to deal with it. Or I'm just going to deal with it alone. You might be there a while. Broken hearts don't just mend on their own. C.S. Lewis said this, just for encouragement. said this, if you wake up feeling fragile, remember that God is not. And then trust him to be everything you need today. But in that trust, there's some vulnerability that happens. And I believe we see this in the walk to Emmaus. Is they're just like, they're being real. They're just walking it out, and they're frustrated. Know this. Jesus is more than what we know we need. Now I want us to look at verses uh, 25 through 29 as this journey and this conversation continues. It says in verse 25, he said to them, How foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And I want to stop right there. Along your journey, there's, there's an important thing to understand. You're on that walk. And we're all on that walk whether we want to admit it or not. It's called faith. But when you're on that journey of faith, understand that God does not change. And that's a, that's a good thing for us, right? It's a good thing. He does not, his love does not change. His sovereignty does not change. His grace does not change. His mercy does not change. His judgment does not change. So we're going through this journey, and it's important that we understand those pillars of the faith. A pillar doesn't change. If it changes, it's not much of a pillar. God does not change. And, and with the beauty of this, like just knowing that God is love and that he is good. I can know that academically through the scriptures. And that's important, friends but even more so when I've experienced his love. Right? If you experienced his love, right? We're just like, God is so good. And then when you go through a time where that is challenged, that is taken, that hope is taken from you or seems to be taken from you, it's really important that there's a tension and there's holding on and a wrestling with that pillar of that God is love. And it's important that you experience not just in the academic, but also through experience. His mercy and his grace. It is important that I see it through scripture. I believe that. And scripture is powerful and it's supernatural. 
But it's also important that I experience it. Because if that is my cup and that is your cup, we will receive God's plan for our lives a little differently, but we'll also treat each person on their faith journey differently as well. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Right? We understand what it is to doubt. We understand that that's not that void of faith or to go through pain. Right? Going through pain is part of being a believer. Jesus promised it. Jesus said, you're going to go through this stuff, good and bad, because you're my disciples. But it never changed that he is good and he's full of mercy. But we need to do this in a childlike faith. Matthew 18, 2 through 4, and I love this. Jesus has given a message. And it says in verse 2 that he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change or become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And it's not saying that we would have a naive faith or a faith that doesn't make sense or isn't found in Scripture or isn't found to be true. It's not, it's not what Jesus is saying right there. But he's talking about the humility of a child that trusts in God. I was watching um, History Channel with my 8-year-old son last week, and a show came on that was talking about humans um, that our earliest ancestors are apes. And at first, I watch, you know, it comes on, I'm like, oh, I'm not watching that, you know. And Caleb's like, oh, Dad, this looks interesting. Let's watch it. I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's watch it. Let's look at it. You know, because as a father, I'm like, I don't know if I want him watching this junk. And we're watching it, and I'm watching him, and he's like, Dad, do you see what they believe? It's crazy. I'm like, yeah, yeah son, yeah, but some people, yeah. But, and, and I was able to actually talk to him, like, hey, son, I know from your eight-year-old mind and faith that this is crazy, but let's still have an understanding when people start to think that. It doesn't make sense, though, does it? No, Dad, it doesn't. But let's have, let's have some empathy for these people because this is a really educated man on this show that believes this really silly thing. And what I love is my son is like, fine, like, Dad, change it because this is so dumb. Right? I was like, okay, boop. Childlike faith. And sometimes we don't know how to walk in that trust, but also just in that passion. Look what Jesus says to them, man. How slow of heart you are to believe in this statement. You're so slow of heart. What is Jesus saying, man? It's what the world says about believers. Oh, you're so naive, Jesus followers. You just think Jesus will fix everything. Oh, so naive. Oh, you just believe the Bible. So naive. That's what he's saying. He's saying, how naive like a child you were to believe everything that, that was clearly pointed out in Scripture. This childlike faith, again, is important. Think of my kids, and you know, my kids wake up in the morning and they don't wonder if mom and dad are going to love them today. It's one of the blessings about being a child, right? It's how it should be. And one of the saddest things why the church needs to rise up and help families and help children because that's not everyone's experience, right? My kids don't wake up and go, man, I wonder if there's some food in the fridge. They're banking on it, right? They, they're not sitting there wondering, man, even if dad disciplines us, mom disciplines us, they still love us. They're banking on it. Sometimes I remind them, man, you guys were banking on that a little bit too much by the way you're acting today, right? You're taking advantage of your dad's love. 
That childlike faith is beautiful. And you let Jesus have this conversation with him. And, 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 and I would encourage you, if you're on a journey in, in that walk to Emmaus, whether it be theologically, and you're, you're questioning some things of God, right? And that can be a good thing with a good heart, all right? Because disciples are going to question, well, why does this say this? Why are we doing this? Or it's through experience, man. You're just like it, going through a difficult time. It gets messy. And we in the church, all of us, we can't be afraid of some of that messiness, Right? Jesus isn't like, his, oh, how slow of heart you were to believe everything I told you. Right? Jesus kind of, you know, he's coming alongside them, but he's kind of getting in their, in, in, their, in their business. Would we understand that's a part of faith and not be shy of that? If we're a family of God, if we're on this journey together, right? The importance of that and knowing how good that is. A friend of mine who's going through a really difficult time about uh, two or three years ago, his uh, four-year-old son was, was diagnosed with cancer, and they're going through chemo, and it's all good, and they're at the tail end of it a month and a half away, and he finds out there's more cancer, and they've got to start the whole thing over again. And I'm talking to my friend, and I will tell you, his questions are real, and so, his, so is his faith, but sometimes there's some language used that is not PG, right? He knows God is good. He knows he's eternal. He knows his plans won't fail, but he's like, man, I am miserable right now, right? We have to allow for some of that. And as you question, maybe you're going to question scripture or you're going to question God's love, even with our pastors, know that we're going to love you. Your house church leader is going to love you, but sometimes it's going to get messy on both ends, right? Do, do Do we get that? And what, what does Jesus tell them? Because they're not understanding. They didn't completely understand this, this, this new covenant, this new love, and all the things that God had promised. And Jesus lets them know, I came to fulfill the word. We see that in Matthew 5.17, where Jesus says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I came, I came, to abolish, I, I came not to abolish them, but to, but to fulfill them. He had to die. He had to rise again. All these things had to happen. And what's crazy, just like with us, everything that God says, he doesn't, he doesn't hold anything back. We go through them. We're like, God, where are you? But I love in this, again, God is not void of our questions. He's not void of our struggle. But there's this beautiful thing that happens here on this walk to Emmaus. Jesus starts like, all right, all right you know, kind of, Rebuked him here a little bit, told him some truth here a little bit, came right in their questions, gave him some answers, and now I'm going to kind of walk away. And Scripture wants us to see and know that, God, that Jesus is like, all right, I'm, you know, I haven't revealed myself. I'm acting like, what's going on here? There's this invitation. Jesus says, to, where, where they say, stay with us, stay with us. One of the messages of the church is there is a right that there's a wrong, that we need transformation and forgiveness, but there's also a message of love, that God loves you. That he loved us when we were still sinners, right? He, 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 go, he leaves the 99 to go after the one, right? In this beautiful romance, one of the things that we must understand, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're questioning, no matter what you've done, no matter what you experience, God loves you. And man, there is something set free when you realize how loving God 
is. Right? Yes. Is God the God of judgment? And we see, especially in the Old Testament, see in Revelation, right? We see that too. But we also see, if we really study those things, how patient God, he is so much more patient and loving than any of us would be. And if we don't get that, then we'll never see the lost the way God does. And I love that in this, there's this, there's this, sacred romance thing going on with Jesus. He's like, oh, I'm kind of going over here. Are they, do, they, do, they, do they want me? Do they want me to come back? And they do. And that's where we want to go in this next section. There is an invitation for more. Right? So these guys are going on a walk, and they're questioning Jesus, and he comes right alongside them. And again, it's good for us to see that, that we can question God. Thank God we can question him, because it's actually us proclaiming that we're not God. And we need some understanding. We need some hugs from our Father. And then he reveals to them. I'm thankful that the Lord shows himself clearly to us. But then we're going to look in verses um, 30 through 39, where there's just this wonderful, wonderful conversation. So look with me with that. It says, verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And then while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were, were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And in this last part we're going to look at, I have titled the table. And it's the table of God. That all believers in Jesus Christ and followers our Savior are called and have been given an invitation to be a part of. And in our religious hearts... Our dead hearts, we, always, we don't always accept this invitation, right? Their hearts are stirring through the scriptures and through the spirit as they're talking with this Jesus that they don't recognize. He starts to leave and they say, oh, come, come back, come, come back, come back. And he does, and then something beautiful happens. And at this table, one of the first things we see that Jesus takes them through something that he often does, to break bread and to give thanks, it's something that we are to do daily, my friends, with other believers, right? It's an important aspect, no matter what we're going through, it's thankfulness. Psalms 22, 3 reminds us that he inhabits the praises of his people. And if you are mature in your understanding of praise, you're not always happy when you praise you're not always having a good time while you praise. It, thankful that it does happen that way sometimes. But it's not always going to be that way, just like, a, just like a good marriage. Marriage, you know, marriage isn't always good because you're always happy, right? There, ha there has to be some choice there of thankfulness. And that goes with friendships as well. 
In the, the center of our table must be thankfulness if we truly come before a holy, good, loving God who is sovereign and in control. We are thankful. And in this, I love they say, you know, they broke bread, and they gave thanks, and they begin to, what was Jesus? And then he's gone. They're like, man, we're our hearts burning as he talked to us about the scripture. And I want to stop right there. Especially if you've been raised in the church, right? You grew up in the church. You've been saved for a while. You probably can't remember not being saved. Maybe that type of thing, right? Something can happen to us that the enemy loves when we just grow dead inside. It's kind of that, that part that I was talking about in the beginning of the message when, when our hearts just grow just cold to God. We don't question God, um, but we're not really following God either. We're just kind of going through the motions. I go to church because I'm supposed to. I remember my Bible because I guess I'm supposed to. But what happens when we come to the invitation to the table of God, and I believe a lot of times that, that happens when we're questioning or we go through, through some junk, right? I have uh, myself go through something or a friend go through something. All of a sudden, the scripture is alive to me, right? Because my, my hope and my heart is involved. And I love that they say that, that weren't our hearts burning as he opened the scripture to us. How many times have I met a kid who grew up in Sunday school who is now an adult saying, man, I still struggle at looking at these as just stories rather than these happened and it's happening now. Hebrews 12, 28 to 29 says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. There's that thankful again. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Right? Maybe you were here earlier and people are just like just worshiping and like going, going, you know, just like laying it all out. It's because they've come to the table of God and you see He's so good. That doesn't mean they're void of going through some real trials and junk. It's because of those they realize even more how good that he really is as they're held by this loving father. It's the good news. Tim Keller says this, the gospel is good news, not good advice. Advice equals this is what we should do. News equals a report of what was done for us. And I love this, Jesus breaks the bread. They give thanks they see that he's, that, oh, that's Jesus. And they leave there, whoa, this was him the whole time. How many of that's our story? We're saying, God, where are you? And little did we know that Jesus was walking right there beside us. But because of his mystery and his beauty and his romance, he's like, they can't completely see that it's me because they, they, they won't walk out in faith. They can't completely see that it's me because that's just not my plan for them. But as we go deeper, there's at some point that we realize, oh, he was there the whole time. That does not excite you, friends. I don't know what will. Right? And then they go back and they tell the good news. They run back to Jerusalem. And then there again, Jesus shows up. Right? And if you don't think God is okay with our questions and our, and our wonderings, right? They see him, they're like, whoa, they're freaked out. He's like, oh, chill out, chill out. Why are you guys, right? <laughs> Grow in faith. It's me, right? Touch my skin. It's me. I'm myself. I love that. I love that. Just the realness of Scripture. But then again, he leaves them with peace. Why don't you look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. We're going to end on this. 
Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we call this prayer. It's a part of the great invitation of God. And really, prayer is just talking to Abba Father, talking to our Lord. And doing it with other believers as well. It's one of the, the great invitations that we have as Christ followers is that the creator of the universe says, come on and have a conversation with me. Talk to me. Petition me about some things. Sit at my feet about some things. With thankfulness about some things. And he doesn't say he's going to answer everything the way we want him to answer because if that was the case, we'd be God, not him. But he does give a promise. says, man, you come to my table. And you will know that I'm good by experience. You will know that the gospel is true. And I will leave you with one of the greatest gifts. It's my peace beyond all understanding. Not saying he won't give us understanding. He does it sometimes. But there's not enough understanding. But the greatest gift is his peace. And it's called relationship with him. When you just know God is God and he is good no matter what. It's a priceless gift, my friend. So the, the question here for us is, are we going to, just like in this walk to Emmaus where Jesus shows up, give him our questions, follow God that way. He's not void of those things. But as we do that, study the Lord through scripture and through experience. It's so amazing when the two line up, when you realize God is doing what he said he would do in your life. And then we come to this great invitation where he says, break bread with me. This isn't a distant God. This is a close, loving God who's closer than a brother, but yet he's still God. And at the table we find thankfulness, burning hearts, fruit and bread of the gospel, and peace. As we close today in the time we have to worship him together corporately, I have a couple questions, three to be exact. Number one, are you on a walk to Emmaus? Are you on a walk right now to Emmaus? You're like, man, I don't know even who God is anymore. I thought he was loving, but I'm not so sure right now. That would be a walk to Emmaus. Man, I am so addicted to this or that or whatever, you know, no drugs, porn, I don't, abuse of people. I don't know. So addicted to it. Maybe you're on a walk to Emmaus. Or you can be. If you like, Lord, save me, save me. What does your walk look like? Are you walking alone? And I find too often people are walking that road alone. And part of it is because we don't know how to be vulnerable in the church. We don't know how to be real in the church and let people wrestle through those things. On both sides of the fence. That's a two-way street, my friends. If you're alone, it's not usually just you, right? And it's usually not just them. Do not walk alone. And are you walking in the purity of heart like a child? It's his Lord, okay. I do not get you like my like one of my best friends as his child is going through his second tour of chemo at St. Jude's. He's like, oh, it's still with a pure heart. Doesn't mean it's not messy. Are you on a walk to Emmaus? Number two, are you studying who Jesus is? And if I'm studying something, my eyes are just fixated on that. I'm going through that journey like my eyes are still on Jesus. All that he is in the scripture. 
all that he is in the spirit, all that he is in the church. And I'm holding on what is him and I'm letting go what clearly isn't. And again, on that journey, why you're supposed to walk with others in the body of Christ and the word of God and the spirit of God is because I have seen so many times that someone goes to a closet by themselves and it is crazy, the false prophetic lie that can be found there so many times that you'll say about God and about yourself, right? Are you studying who Jesus is and with other people? And you will find on that journey many times you, you will be broken, you will find change, and you will find repentance, Amen? And the last, and this is the invitation for all believers, are you sitting at his table and enjoying the feast of community, the feast of answered and unanswered prayers, but that he's still good, the bread of the gospel, the fruit of his peace, right? Just walking with the creator of the universe who knows every hair on your head. Think about that. And I find many times in our religious state of mind, especially in Springfield, we are content to the invitation. We are content to what will be around the next and the second coming, but not to sit at the table here and now. And at this table, there's no religion. It's just Jesus and his goodness and his sovereignty and his yes and his no. And there's much laughter and joy and tears at this table. If you guys could stand with me, we're going to close in prayer. If you'd like, there's communion in the back. There's people that also uh, love to pray with you. Uh, if you want to worship in your tithe and offering, there's boxes back there. Um, if you want to worship at your seat, if you want to find a place that is comfortable to you, just to, just to seek the Lord. Father, Lord, we worship you in spirit and truth, and we acknowledge we are all on a walk to Emmaus at different times. God, you are so loving. You allow us to ask if you're even good. We could not even have a breath without you, but yet in your sovereignty and goodness, yeah, you can ask that. Then in all that you've done to us, we're still allowed to ask, God, where are you? And do you even care? That you even encourage that. God, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to be religious or fake or try to save ourselves because the gospel is so real and true. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. God, I thank you that, that we look forward to a heavenly home and there'll be nothing like the second coming of Jesus Christ no matter what we think or preach. There's nothing like the second coming of Jesus Christ. However, God, we thank you so much that there is so much good here and now. It's the table of God. And would we participate in that? The food that is shared there, the friendship that is shared there, the glory that is revealed there. Father, would we be reminded there's nothing like this table or this invitation, so why would we not take it every single day? And in this table, we will long even more for home. And we say, Jesus, come back, come back, come back. Father, set our hearts free to worship you in spirit and truth. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.